Welcome to the 99 Topics for the CCFP Exam podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brady Bouchard. But even before they want an answer, they want their pain to stop. That's the first thing they want. They're in pain and they want you to make it stop. And what do we do? Well, we're trained, we order some tests. As you will learn, MRI has a very high false positive rate. Bulging discs and in some cases even spinal stenosis may be seen in 60 to 90% of asymptomatic patients. These MRI findings may derail the treatment process because the focus becomes wanting to see the surgeon to see if the thing seen on MRI needs to be fixed, when in fact the best way to help the patient is to treat the pain, not the MRI finding. Those two snippets are from the Saskatchewan Spine Pathway Program, which is excellent and I would highly recommend and available for free online. Check our show notes for the links to it. And now on to the rest of the podcast. So what are we talking about today, Brady Bouchard, the world's sexiest man, the integrator? Uh, probably my favorite topic in family medicine, lower back pain. Oh my, oh, my back is killing me, Dr. Brady Bouchard. I'm being a little bit facetious. It's probably not my favorite Excellent. topic, but, but it's common. There anyways. you go. There you go. But a very important topic, very, very common topic that you encounter both in the emergency department and um, as uh, in clinics. Yep. And, you know, with everything that's happening in the news and in Canada right now in public health, the opioid crisis. Absolutely. You know, we've all seen patients that are actually on chronic opioids because of lower back pain. You know what I mean? And stuff. And we want to make very sound decisions in terms of their management and kind of examine what does the evidence say for doing certain interventions for back pain. Exactly. And I, I think there's lots of vilification of, of physicians over the last you know, decade or so around opiates. Um, but honestly, I think they were kind of pushed without a lot of evidence. And, you know, physicians just want to help pa- uh, patients pain. But now that we've got all this data that shows that it's quite harmful, it's good that there's a few recent studies that show unequivocally in low back pain, no opiates, not a role. No, op- they don't help. They don't help with outcomes after like a week, right? So it doesn't, it's not worth worth it you know and I, you know what i, I always kind of say like the most two dangerous words in medicine are always and never right like i have people with epidural abscesses or cancer with back you understand and stuff yep. and that's a different story right yeah, you know what i mean like that is a different uh, that is a different uh, uh that is a different story but are they they're not your first line they're not your second line you're not your third line um, um opiates have a lot of direct opioid mortality but just even on them increases your mortality. Does that make sense? So it's 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 it for not necessarily directly opioid effects, right? So yeah, exactly. just be aware of that. Well, and we've talked about, we talked about that before with chronic pain, but in general, you kind of exclude uh, cancer pain because that's a whole other category. Exactly. That's a whole other category. Or and and keep in mind, a minority of back pain is other types of badness. And I saw that wonderful resource that you guys have out west. In the greatest spot on on the earth. Mike, I can't tell you enough. Um, not that you have any time that, to do it, but point your residents in that direction. Uh, you should... I am already pointing them west. There you go. In everything that I, I say, go west. <laughs> nice. Go west. You should get one of them to do for an academic half day or whatever to to watch the videos, to watch the program, because it's pretty brief. Yeah. It's not that long. Um, and yeah. man, it's it's glorious. It's it's the way we should be managing back pain, and I think more provinces are going that way. And you know what? I never heard about it until you sent me that link. And we're going to probably have it with the show notes. Yeah. I encourage everybody to read it. It is a fantastic 
resource on lower back pain and stuff. You know what I mean? It is a ultimately fantastic resource. It will be with the show notes. Everybody should have a little quick read of that. It's fantastic. Exactly. I've been telling residents about it um, in the two days that you gave it to me. And I was like, holy shnikey. This is amazing. Yeah, we're not that progressive in Saskatchewan on some things, but uh, low back pain were there. You are progressive in all things. Any province that can obtain such a geometrically harmonized shape is way more progressive <laughs> than most other provinces. Oh, you understand? My. That means we don't that's have any water features. That's really what it is. How close you are to a perfect rhombus. Does that make sense? Exactly. You're a surveyor's dream. Does that make sense? You start at the Northwest Territories, you draw a line, you hit Montana, and boom, there's a border. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> Flat in every direction. Flat there you go. It's, there you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. So let's go through b lower back pain. So again, you know, different authorities have different ways of kind of defining whether or not this is acute versus subacute versus more chronic. You know, I've heard people say that, you know, some, you know, under four weeks is kind of more acute, kind of between four and 12 weeks is kind of more subacute, longer than 12 weeks is, is now in the realm of chronic. But to keep in mind, different guidelines are going to have different cutoff points um, um, for how they define the duration of when this pain is yeah absolutely Perfect. and i don't even think like we, we talk about acute subacute uh chronic in lots of conditions i don't think in if for mechanical back pain for most back pain that it really makes much of a difference because the whole point exactly. is at that first visit you should be uh educating the patient uh managing their expectations for how their back pain is going to evolve very good because what do we know about most back pain it goes away exactly. does that make sense the vast majority of back pain the vast 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 majority of back pain goes away. So that managed expectation, you are having pain. This is something that we do no intervention for is probably a good chance it's yeah. going to get better. And the flip side of it though, as well, is, and I like to tell patients both sides of that is usually your back pain will get better. Um, some people take longer, some people take shorter, but, but this is a chronic condition. Some people are lucky to have one episode and never have it again. But if you, if you're having back pain as an adult and it's you're having multiple episodes you're likely going to have it again and it's about managing that exactly. chronic disease rather than curing it exactly exactly and I, you know what and that's a, such a good point dr bouchard and stuff it sets up that fair expectation right now you know most back pain that we talk about is mechanical back pain that type of thing but we do have some red flags isn't that right dr bouchard absolutely there's always red but flags to consider in our patients yeah so between like between depending on the resource between 90, 98% of low back pain is mechanical. So that's pain that's related to movement, to a position, um, to a physical structure. Uh, we don't yeah. make that diagnosis. That's not what the pathway is all about. And that, that's what I kind of want to emphasize today. But there is the the red flags that you kind of have to rule out when you're, when you're asking about it. Perfect. So, I mean, um, I mean, everybody gets this beat into them as a med student, but I still use in my head the back pain mnemonic. So exactly. B is bowel or bladder dysfunction. Uh, a is exactly. any anesthesia, so saddle anesthesia. C is constitutional symptoms. You're looking for a cancer, malignancy. K, there is actually chronic disease. K, chronic. Yeah. Um, P. K, chronic. Hey, be careful how you say that chronic there. That means something else, Dr. Brady. Bouchard, exactly. Hey, I was thinking that as I was saying it, actually. Maybe in a year's time we'll be. <laughs> yeah. P is paresthesias, um, which can be present and aren't necessarily a red flag, but um, right. paresthesias in areas that you wouldn't expect based on the back pain are an issue. Um, new onset back pain after about age 50. That one's kind of controversial because it often Very happens. Very controversial. Extremely controversial. But, uh, Poorly predictive of actually um, uh, um, 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 bad, bad pain. Yeah. It's probably more like if it's persistent. Does that make sense? Yeah, you don't exactly. 
Um, but I would say for like older patients, if they've never ever oh, had yeah. back pain in their whole life and they come into the emergency yeah. department with their first episode and it still sounds yeah. like mechanical back pain, they should at least have fairly close follow-up because... Exactly. And that's the thing is that it's not to say that you're going to brush people off. You're going to need to ensure that they have follow-up. Does that make sense? That is critical, right? Because not all of these necessarily red flags are associated with a high yield, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it all depends, too, on your patient population. Um, where I work in northwestern Ontario, in the region and stuff, we have very, very high rates of gram-positive bacteremia that are between 20 and 50 times what they are in other places, right? So infectious discitis, vertebral osteomyelitis epidural abscesses are not uber 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 uncommon there's still a minority of cases does that make sense but you want to so it, it kind of depends on the patient population right someone who has a fever with a history of iv drug use or bacteremia that's going to take you down potentially a different path right so you want to make sure that you're considering those things exactly and you went yeah. on to the last two bits of the mnemonic so iv drug use or infection is the i and then neurological deficits is the other one Perfect, perfect. So commonly back pain will end up with some neurological deficits and we can talk about it a little bit. Um, I'd say the yeah. one kind of definite red flag neurological deficit is plantar reflexes should always be intact. That is not exactly. mechanical back pain. If they're, yeah. if they're missing their reflexes convincingly, uh, you need to go hunting for other things. Exactly, exactly. And a very, very good point, right? Progressive motor weakness, reflex abnormality, that especially your plan for reflex is going to be a higher chance that this is some potential badness. So just to kind of go through some of those things. So let's say Brady, I have my patient that comes inside. I had a patient like this three nights ago, came inside, um, history of bacteremias, two episodes of endocarditis in the past, came inside with um, a, a known history of IV drug use, um, still actively using intermittent fevers, and man, rip-roaring lower back pain. Does that make sense? What are you going to be thinking of? Epidural uh, abscess or spinal abscess is, is way high up there on, on, on that case. Exactly. On that case. Now, keep in mind, that's a minority of people, an extreme minority of people, right? Yeah, so I don't want to skew this. But, but most of the time when you're dealing with that case, and it kind of says is that you don't brush that person off. And your imaging test really of choice is an MRI. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Usually for the back pain badness stuff, it's really an MRI, right? Yeah. CT scan can miss a lot of infectious complications in the back, right? So again, it's not to overemphasize this. These are an extreme minority of cases. Does that make sense? But usually when you're dealing with something like that and you're concerned, it's really you need to get the person to a center where they can get an MRI, right? Because your CT scan can miss a lot of discitis. It can miss a whole lot of epidural abscesses. And that's not the imaging test of choice. So you get tons of people with negative CT scans. We'll often do them because often you can pick them up if they're big and then go and then they say, oh, no, this looks fine. And then you send them to a center with with uh, with an MRI capacity, get the MRI and they say horrible three level discitis. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, and certainly if you have that kind of story pointing exactly at one diagnosis, like, you know, the new weight loss and, and night sweats, that sort of thing, then absolutely go to the imaging. Um, in general, I would say, though, that the imaging, especially CT and MRI in, in lower back pain, has no. Has, there's really no role. There's a super high rate exactly. of false positives. CT is about 30% false positive. MRI is upwards yep. of 70 Exactly, exactly. Most people, when they get an MRI of their lower back, will have some sort of pathology. Um, but it won't be clinically significant. Perfect, perfect. And the question is, when we talk about the most, the most of these causes 
even there's no evidence for most of them that surgical interaction actually affects long-term outcomes. Does that make sense? So if that person gets a laminectomy or if that person gets a disectomy, in terms of long-term outcomes, you're basically getting all this surgical risk with not that much long-term benefit, if any, for most cases of mechanical back pain, exactly. if not all. Does that make sense? Which is why surgeons are so reluctant usually to operate in the absence of more, as you say, progressive motor weakness or yeah. back badness right they have an epidural abscess they have cancer they have a met there that then they have an unstable back etc etc those are clear more clear indication they have back pain and there's nothing going on they're not going to want to operate and if you image them with something fancy you're probably going to find something that they're still not going to want to operate yeah exactly and again i keep coming back to the pathway they split it up into patterns of back pain or syndromes um really they talk about they only operate on pattern four back pain um, which again, I don't even want to tell people yeah. what the diagnosis around that is, but it's essentially constant lower leg pain, um, usually neurogenic claudication. They'll operate on that. Yeah. Um, and then pattern three back pain, which is roughly correlated with sciatica if it doesn't get better. Um, th but th th those are the only yes. two indications for exactly for surgical intervention. Exactly, exactly. And even if you actually scrutinize the evidence, the because a lot of people with that sort of that 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 first situation that you described and stuff, they have spinal stenosis, exactly. right? And spinal stenosis, the benefit of surgery is really early on. Does that make sense? You, the, even the long term benefit isn't all that great, right? It's progressive motor weakness, right? They can they're getting functional impairment of their motor system. It's not even so much of the pain. It's more is that is this person having weakness? Does that make sense? Where they can't walk, they can't run that's going to be more likely to perk the back surgeon's fancy does that make sense Absolutely. if they just hear pain but the person can walk does that make sense and the person's having no motor dysfunction or no progressive motor dysfunction they're pretty well not going to offer them a surgical option exactly beautifully put mike perfect excellent brady bouchard you are so sexy smart as the new sexy brady bouchard is not is so sexy do not edit this out. I'm going to listen to this again. I'm going to tell Saskatchewan to turn their back on their finest son. Does that make sense? Saskatchewan's finest. Do not edit out the sexy. Lovely, Mike. Excellent. So, so take-home message, right, is really for most cases of back pain, what, right? You look for red flags, right? If they have red flags, they need imaging that's likely MRI. Right. So get them to a center that gets the, gets them MRI. And we've discussed the, uh, the, the, the red flags. And keep in mind too, this, this kind of comes up sometimes too, especially if you're in a rural center, you have somebody with known cancer and Mets and all of a sudden they have back pain and you're like, holy crap, this could be cauda equina. They have some syndrome. They're going to go to your tertiary care center. Give them some steroids. Does that make sense? Like that is an intervention that you can do right away. Does that make sense? It's only for if you suspect that this is a malignancy. They have cord compression because of a malignancy, right? They're going to need to go to a center where they can get surgery or get palliative rats or getting some type of radiation and stuff to shrink things up a little bit but that's an intervention that you can do at the site right and that can be important right exactly and to be fair when you when you consult the spinal surgeon they'll probably even suggest that exactly you send them in as well. exactly exactly when we talk about when we hopefully have a, con a podcast on cancer we'll talk about that's like a cancer emergency does that make sense uh, you know like, exactly. like, you got to get those people to centers give them steroids talk to your specialist they need to get radiation they need to get surgery now especially if their back is unstable right yeah exactly but oftentimes those people have clear risk factors for back badness right um, um if you don't have any back badness which is the vast 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 majority of people what are we going to do brady bouchard 
Yeah, exactly. So I guess you talk about kind of the undifferentiated patient you're seeing in, in clinic or emergency. Which is most patients, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most patients are like, oh, wow, I have back pain and there's nothing wrong with you from a neurological standpoint, but you have back pain and no red flags. That's the biggest category of patients. Exactly. And so say we've covered the red flags already. You're not worried about any significant medical history. They haven't had new trauma. Um, they're otherwise feeling well. They just kind of have a new back pain. And 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 the main thing that patients want for their back pain is they want to feel better. Exactly. They, uh, lots of them still want a diagnosis, yeah. but mostly they just want to feel better. Exactly. And they want to know how it's going to go. Um, so on history, a couple of key questions um, that I ask all the time is where is your pain the worst? Yeah. Um, so whether it's above or below the gluteal fold yeah. helps you kind of categorize where, what kind of syndrome, what kind of pattern you're having. And then is the pain constant or intermittent? Right. And, and the really key question there is, so I know you have back pain and it might be there almost all the time. Is there ever a time when your pain stops and even though it comes back immediately, does it go away even for a second? Yeah. That's the question for whether it's intermittent or not. Um, truly constant pain isn't necessarily worrisome in the, in and of itself, but some of those red flags lead to constant pain exactly. that should never be intermittent. Exactly. So it just, it just flags a little bit more for you. Exactly. And then a couple other questions you can ask. So what movements or positions make it better? What movements or positions make it worse? Have you had the same pain before? What treatment have you had if you've, if you've had it before? Um, and then kind of a functional inquiry question. So how are you doing now? Like, what can you do now? Or what can't you do now that you could before? How's work going? You know, what kind of work do you do? That sort of thing. Perfect, perfect. I love it. I love it because it quickly sort of establishes the pattern. So I like, let's go through those questions because I really, 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 really like some of those questions there. So above the gluteal fold, what are you kind of thinking more versus below the gluteal fold? Yeah, so this is where, and and again, I'm, I, I know you're going for a diagnosis here, Mike. We've got it beat into us that we go for these patterns and we do it on purpose because that the syndromes predictably respond to treatment yeah. and a specific diagnosis isn't isn't particularly useful. Perfect. Um, but the reason we ask above above or below the gluteal fold as as the dominant pain right. is because pattern one and pattern two are back dominant pain. Right. Pattern three and pattern four are leg dominant pain. Right. So that immediately splits it into two there. Yeah, kind of the old school. And you know what? I'm glad. It was a trick question. It really doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Exactly. Like that's the really sort of thing. They'll talk about the low leg. It might be more spinal stenosis, um, uh, um, below, uh, below leg and stuff, radicular type pain and stuff. But it really doesn't matter. Does that make sense? It really, really doesn't matter. It may help you localize things a little bit, but you have to ask yourself, a lot of people, you don't have, you can do a history and they seem to have positive everything. So they have spinal, simultaneous spondylolithesis, simultaneous spinal stenosis, simultaneous facet joint disease, simultaneous piriformis syndrome. It really doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Right. Exactly. Once you've excluded your red flags, whether it's above, whether it's below, those types of things, um, um, below the legs tend to be more ridiculous type things. You know, there's a lot of people that could have certain types of spinal stenosis that have that, right? Certain people with discogenic disease can have that, right? It really doesn't matter, right? Because the issue is, is that, is it going to change your management? That's sometimes when you get a diagnosis. I will diagnose, if I can get a specific diagnosis, is it going to change my management, right? For this patient right, right now, which is sometimes the more important question, right? Versus, oh, it's the L4 facet affecting this root that's causing these symptoms. Does that make sense? And you turn into a right. neurologist memorized all your dermatomes and myotomes yeah exactly and i've gotten even got to the point with patients and it, it's really great if you if you get into that mode um and i guess it because i was trained in residency it helps a lot too is 
patients want to know what's going on with them. And I tell them the diagnosis is pattern one back pain. Yeah, exactly. Or the diagnosis is pattern two back pain. Um, and, and they're usually good with that. They're usually happy with that. And they're like, okay, so how do I manage my pattern to back pain? Exactly. That's my diagnosis. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's perfectly fair because keep it, keep in mind, even with like, when we read textbooks, you're getting the textbook answer. There's a lot of people with spinal stenosis that are going to have ridiculous, you understand? Um, 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 exactly. That, that, that are, that are, that are not going to follow the textbook exactly. Right. And the question is, is it going to change your management? Does that make sense? That's ultimately what the, pa the patient is. And I like your approach of saying pattern one, pattern two, pattern three, because if people want to leave with sort of what is the answer, it gives them that answer. Yeah, exactly. Especially because there's, the the way they're going to manage their pain is based on the pattern and you can yeah. give them and there's handouts that uh, the spine pathway has around that um but also it gives a an idea of the prognosis of it yeah, exactly um, so you know pattern one you can either be a slower fast responder aka really you can be better or worse in your back yeah. pain there and you can kind of give them an idea of you know what if you do these exercises or you do these um, you know, positions, you'll probably feel better in, you know, say eight weeks or, or, you know, you've had this before and it lasted half a year, probably it's going to take that long. Um, exactly. But, but rather than giving a specific diagnosis of, Hey, you have spinal stenosis. Okay. When is it going to get better? Well, the stenosis is never going to get better. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But we're not trying to make the the pathology better. We're trying to make your symptoms better. There and you go. They usually do resolve, like you mentioned. There you go. There you go. So perfect, perfect. So I like the idea of looking at patterns as opposed to pathology and focusing on 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 our 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 our, our management approach. Does that make sense? Like how are we going to manage this pain versus other types of pain? Does that make sense? Versus then saying exactly. you have facet joint disease, right? Yeah, exactly. And then after the history, kind of the physical exam isn't nearly as important in back pain as the history is, but it should be concordant with, with the history that you take. Um, exactly. AKA they should have, you know, symptoms or signs that match up with what you think the diagnosis is. That If you think it's totally benign mechanical back pain and you rush for time and you've seen this patient before, the, the two key tests that you should always do on physical exam are what I mentioned before, plantar response. Yeah. So that should always be normal yeah. if it's not something's weird going on. Yeah. Um, and checking for saddle sensations. Yeah. So I just take a, a Q-tip and, and just touch it just above the... Um, uh, just above the anus, you can shove it down the back of their pants. Yeah. And as long as they can kind of feel that and it, and it feels normal. Yeah. The other reason for doing that is a, you're checking for that cauda equina, um, saddle anesthesia thing, but it also at, it prompts you to ask about their bowel and bladder function at that same point. Exactly. So you should always ask about that. So you're, again, your physical exam is what's ruling out those badness red flags. Does that make sense? Like that's really what your phys physical, and it's documenting in some degree functional, right? Like you want to like, how well are you functioning right now? Right? Like what is your rank? Those types of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Okay. So Dr. Bouchard, I see you in clinic. So what sort of management options, right? So let's say I go, I do a physical exam. My physical exam is essentially normal. The person in pain let's say they have you know pain that's mostly above their their, their gluteal fold there's no red flags i'm not concerned about uh, 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 um, um, any sort of red flags this person is otherwise low risk on history and physical exam now what exactly so how are you going to manage their pain um, like uh, like i said probably the 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 biggest point in this is giving them an idea of um and kind of a ballpark diagnosis so i tell them about the pattern telling them that this is a chronic thing that we can manage 
um, because I like to lower the bar so that if we jump over that bar at any point, yeah. they're happy. Yeah. Rather than saying, oh, you're going to be cured in a week. Exactly. Because um, that used to be the old the whole opiate thing back in the day was, yeah, we can cure your pain immediately. Exactly. <laughs> but, Ray, that, but fentanyl, but... that fentanyl hit the spot. You know what I mean? It's managed <laughs> expectation. Ray, it's like when you bring your car to the mechanic, right? Like you bring your car. I don't have a sweet ass ride like you. You understand and stuff? Um, my Impreza spoiler <laughs> my is Master nearly 3. as high as your Impreza spoiler. Does that make sense? But yeah. you notice when you bring them in and you go to the body shop, and, you know, the, the mechanic kind of tells you right away, you know what, man, this is going to be like two and a half grand, right? They prepare you for it, right? It's different exactly. than when you go get the work done and you go like, oh, my God, 2,500. You feel like you're about to have an MI. Does that make sense? Versus, oh, you know what? They kind of told me that. They're not able to get to the work in a, like in like a couple weeks. You understand? But I'm, at least I'm more prepared. That's a very real life example. You don't walk into the mechanic just to kind of feel sort of blindsided by the price. Does that make sense? You're going to be it's exactly. like, yeah, you know, you said it was going to be two and a half grand. I might be a little bit pissed but you've managed my expectation you're doing the same thing with back pain right the, the problem is is that if you come and say you are going to be better in a day you've set up an expectation that you know not the very few therapies that are not going to kill people are actually going to be able to that are actually going to be able to do does that make sense that's the type right. of thing you have to manage that expectation right that's so important yeah uh next step kind of conservative management uh, or self-care strategies um, so alternating cold and heat, if it's, you know, an acute back pain is a reasonable thing to do. Exactly. Um, I tell everybody to make sure they keep going to work if they can, at, if at all possible, keep doing what they're doing. Exactly. Um, we know now that bed rest is a really bad thing in lower back pain. Um, and actually in any chronic condition, uh, withdrawing yourself from your usual activities usually makes it worse. Exactly. Exactly. And then I talk about the exercises and positioning based on on the pattern and we don't need to go through all those today but some ones that kind of broadly go across kind of most of the categories so the z lie yeah. which is essentially if you're lying on the you, you put your knees up on a on a stool or whatever while you're watching tv or exactly you watch the iphone staring at the ceiling right um doing that you relieves most back pain right um and kind of a catch-all for all of them is you should be doing these positions as much as you can during the day when you have a break yeah um, and position yourself where you don't have any pain. Exactly. That's usually what's going to help for you. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like what pain, what position are you in the least pain? Okay. Try to spend a lot of time in that position. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. So again, it's, it's optimizing physical therapy. Does that make sense? So, so we haven't even talking about a whole drugs yet, right? We're managing expectation, optimizing. Amazing when you actually scrutinize it like by trials, they're not really sure heat and cold, you know what I mean? And stuff. It may, you know, we don't have good evidence for it, but it's a benign, yeah. like low risk therapy. You might as well give it a try. Who doesn't like to have a warm pack on their back at some times, right, Brady Bouchard? Exactly. And it's getting patients engaged in their own care. It's the same thing when we get to the drugs. Um, Tylenol or acetaminophen really has no evidence. It's right. not better than placebo. Yeah. Um, I sh sorry, I shouldn't say it doesn't have evidence. It has evidence that it is not better than placebo. Exactly. Um, but we do, but we do it anyways as the first line because it's relatively harmless and and it gets patients patients engaged in their own care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What about NSAIDs and stuff? Can be yeah. reasonable options as well too. Make sure the person doesn't have the usual contraindications. You know what I mean and stuff. But but yeah, it can be an option again. But again, not great evidence consistent. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and if they're going to take a longer course of them, um, and they have any cardiac issues, that naproxen is being shown to be the best there. Um, and if they're on a longer course, anyways, and have any uh, gastric uh, issues, think of adding a PPI as well. 
Yeah, excellent, excellent. That's always uh, that's always a good uh, a good piece of advice. Excellent. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And then, and I'm probably getting the patient back in a in a week or two, maybe up to four weeks, depending on, you know, if you know them well, um, and just reassessing them. Um, there's evidence to show that at frequent short uh, visits with your with your GP regarding any chronic issue um, can usually improve how patients do. So exactly. And I think that's something that we don't that 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 actually needs to be and I'm glad you brought it up. It needs to be emphasized. Follow up is a powerful tool, right? Like if you say, yeah, you have back pain, here's some Tylenol and Advil, go sit in a position, I'll see you whenever. That's way different than, you know, I would like to see you in a few days. Does that make sense? Here's your appointment, right? That yeah, patient's exactly. going to leave that clinical counter way more engaged. Does that make sense? And going to feel less likely brushed off, right? Um, uh, um, Which is going to affect outcomes because keep in mind, like, is the next answer after like that hydromorphone or morphine or T3s or perks? Absolutely not, right? Those things do not affect long-term outcomes. Exactly. And you want to, the other thing, again, coming back to the pathway that they emphasize is, is that the, the pattern that you've diagnosed with should follow the way that that pattern usually works. Um, yeah. So if it's changing different ways or they have symptoms that don't match with that in right. follow-up, it's, it's important to kind of ask about that. And and, you know, it's not doing away with your clinical uh, judgment at all. Um, you're not right. kind of getting away from, you know, doing proper medicine, just being like, hey, you're pattern one, pattern two. Um, even if, like I mentioned before, if, if, if patients have lost their plantar reflex and it's the first time you've seen them, um, but they have no other concerning features, well, then just see them back in a day or two. And, yeah, exactly. And, you know, hope that that's gone away. And, and if not, you can deal with it. But Exactly. Exactly. No, no, no. I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a very, very good very, very good point and stuff. And I'm glad you're emphasizing that it's really, it's, it's functional, it's positional, it's, it's, it can be partly pharmacologic, of partly pharmacologic. It can be, and it really is managing expectations, right? The problem is when you set up a patient and you say, this is going to get better two days. There's no back that's going to be gone totally. Even if it's the most benign mechanical, gone totally in two days. Does that make sense? And then exactly. when people don't have that expectation, then they say, well, what are we going to do now? I'm on Tylenol and Advil. What's next? Does that make sense? And I'm taking max doses, right? What's next? And you sort of set them up. And I like what happens. Make your interventions as like kind of physical, you know, I like the heat cold, even though the evidence is not before kind of pharmacologic, even in how you present it to a patient, because it kind of sets up, you know, this is more of a, 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 like, there's a lot of stuff functioning you can do to make this better. It's not just take a pill for every ill. Does that make sense? Because you can quickly run out of pills as an option. Does that make sense? Before you're in medications that you really do not want to be in. Yeah, exactly. And, and the other thing in follow up, if they're failing treatment, um, you need to figure out why. So either they're not taking the medication that you suggested, they're not doing the exercises that you suggested. Um, and the other thing too to tr try and check yourself is, for example, if if the Z lie is what you should be doing according to the you know the the pattern diagnosis, if if you get them to do that in the clinic and they're not getting relief from it, well then yeah. it's wrong, um, yeah. because what works at in the clinic should work at home and vice versa. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So that constant sort of um, I'm reassessing yourself. Yeah. So what other options do we have? Ah, well, there's tons of options. And that's the, that's the one nice thing about back pain is because we manage it so poorly. Um, there's plenty of allied health and homeopathic and herbal um, products and services that have popped up for people that, you know, to manage their back pain. Um, probably the, the most evidence-based and the one I would send people to, to after usually, you know, four to six weeks of no improvement yeah. at all. 
um, exactly. is physio. Yeah. Um, chiropractor has poor evidence, but some people love it. And exactly. you know, I, I say, hey, if you want to spend your money, go for it. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. I don't, I don't recommend for or against it necessarily. Yeah. Um, if they have any concerning features or, you know, say you even referred to physio and, and they're like, mm, something's going on here. You know, sending them on to a spinal surgeon, I don't think anybody would, would fault you for that. Yeah, I mean, no, the whole exactly. reason they came up with this this pathway was to decrease the referrals. But yeah. sometimes you still need to refer because you're, you know, you're kind of failing. Yeah. And then um, the other thing, if you have access to it, is a multidisciplinary pain program. Um, Perfect. Perfect. Either if they have pattern five, which is that pain disorder syndrome, or yeah. you're just not managing their pain, their usual back pain properly. Exactly, exactly. So really, you know, it kind of depends on what works for the patient. We don't have a lot of evidence, you know, consistently over a number of patients, you know what I mean? That, 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 that certain interventions, you know, physio, definitely. Um, even for acupuncture, there's some as well, too. Does that make sense? For more of the chronic sort of pain syndrome, it's not great evidence, you know what I mean? It's not great. Um, um, it's not great evidence. But you know, if people are into that, and they want to try, and it's not going to hurt them. Does that make sense? I won't make a recommendation for or against it. But if they're into it, and they say, you know what, I can get this covered and stuff. Can you in it? I have, I see no problem with that. Absolutely. And the two other options I forgot to mention for chronic low back pain, um, swimming doesn't seem to have a lot of evidence, but for yeah. patients who usually swim, um, or, or, or can swim, um, if they take up swimming as a, you know, a daily routine, right. I, I find it really helps. And I don't know yeah. necessarily why it's probably core strengthening exercise. Exactly. Uh, and what, what's the one, what there's a very important for chronic back pain, right? Is exercise. Regular exercise, right? There's good evidence for that, right? You know, regular exercise. That's, you know, age appropriate and activity, you know, and, and, and it's considering your general medical conditions and stuff, but that can be somewhat useful as well, too. I want to talk about something. So what, what do we say about surgery? Like people get all these back surgeries, fusions and stuff. What is the evidence for most, like a surgical intervention in most cases for mechanical back pain outside of, a badness indication and outside progressive motor weakness, right? Do we have a lot of evidence that any surgery sort of helps with the pain? And the answer is? No. Very good. Exactly. And I tell patients that up front as well. The only good evidence that most spinal surgeons will agree on is for, as you mentioned before, early on in neurogenic claudication, um, there's evidence that they do better with surgery. Exactly. But only early on. Not only early on. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. And in pattern three back pain or sciatica, it seems to be controversial with not great evidence. And then yeah. typical back pains, so the pattern one, pattern two, um, there's very poor evidence. And, exactly. and I, I don't think you'd find a spinal surgeon who will operate. Exactly. Exactly. So again, you know, if you're having bad radicular pain, you know, even that we're not sure, you know what I mean? Not great evidence. Um, Spinal stenosis, maybe early on maybe does that make sense but again not long term and isn't that functionally what you care about it's not like your result after three months it's your result after three years does that make sense like if you're going to get a little bit better does that make sense that's great you might have a little bit less pain but you've incurred a huge surgical side effect does that make sense like you've been in surgery those types of things exactly and i, I mean i not to scare patients but i tell them you know what they're doing surgery on your spine like yeah exactly I, I'd, yeah. I'd have a pretty high bar to get that surgery if we can manage your pain at all conservatively exactly Exactly. And especially if it's not convincing that it's going to at least take your pain away. You might yeah. have the surgery, go through the recovery, and not feel any better. Does that make sense? Exactly. Perfect. But now you've just joined the lumbar fusion club or the laminectomy club. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Now, um, Brady, I want to talk about what about injections? Like everybody said, well, maybe if I inject something in my back, right, doctor? What is it? What's the evidence for that? 
Yeah, so our um, physiatrists and spinal surgeons seem to do it fairly often. I honestly don't know what the evidence is for it. Well, you know what? It's kind of long-term, you know, and that's why they, once you get one, you kind of have to get all, because we know each injection long-term, you know, and this is for kind of subacute and chronic, no evidence for acute pain, maybe with certain types of quote-unquote radicular pain. So i.e., you know, the pain is going down your leg, you know what I mean? It may help. Does that make sense? Um, I'm in discogenic radicular pain, you know what I mean? And it is an option for people, right? For corticosteroid injection, you know what I mean? So something to consider. Does that make sense? But again, not great evidence and again you usually have to get these injections over and over and over and again now you remember i've had a lot of people come inside and they have trigger point injections right like you hurt when it touches there does that make sense and you inject some bupivacaine and they get better does that make sense <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> have you ever done that before brady Boucher? it's like the most satisfying things in the world right heck yeah but again no great evidence over a large population but yeah if you have it and it's not a spot where i'm gonna hit some badness nerve and a relatively safe area and it's very localized i may try some bupivacaine right yeah um what else and probably the other thing just to mention is is what they call pattern five back pain or pain disorder back pain um it's good to have in the back of your mind if you're really having a tough time with a patient um these waddell signs and if they have most of these signs then they probably do have a pain syndrome more than anything you know organic or even mechanical back pain going on um the the two i keep in my head is axial loading so if you push down on the top of somebody's head while they're standing that shouldn't do anything. There's no, yeah. there's no mechanical basis for that worsening their pain. Um, but pain disorder patients will sometimes have that happen. And then uh, simulated spinal rotation. So you lock their arms at their side and you rotate them at the hip, like you grab them at the hips and you rotate them. Um, and they seem to think that that's moving their back, but really you're keeping their whole, their whole like from the hips upwards locked together with their arms. <laughs> So there's no movement there, so there shouldn't be any pain. But yeah, exactly, exactly. Very, very good points. Very, very good points. And and you know, there's a lot of people in that category. Yeah, like, absolutely. We have a lot of patients in that category. So it's like those two little tests you mentioned, Dr. Brady. Excellent. So, and keep in mind, remember opioids, they do not affect long-term outcomes. They lead to more opioids, which lead to opioid related mortality and as well to a whole lot of other mortality so again you know these are not things that you we should be routinely using period yeah and uh the study uh friedman at all in 2015 also mentioned exactly muscle relaxants don't have a role in acute lower back exactly pain. no consistent role and stuff right i think yeah. in that study they had an arm too correct me if i'm wrong that you looked at like percocet or something Set, and it didn't find any difference and stuff if you added it to it in a week or something like that maybe yeah, no, you could just yeah. verify oh yeah, my god that you're you're beautiful you're right on the ball there man oh my god like so again just further evidence that like these things do not affect things in a long term can even be out a week does that make sense like you know and they, they potentially give you a lot more badness so you really 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 do not want to use them unless you absolutely have to the kind of the key part of that study was that opiate plus uh, NSAID is no yeah. better than just the NSAID. So. The NSAID by itself, right? I think they used like oxycoset plus like, a, and they didn't find it was any difference at like at the time and at seven days, right? So again, you know, like adding, giving that person that T3, 
which you shouldn't be using anyway, right? Because most people don't, a lot of people can, don't metabolize it properly or giving them that perk or giving them that whatever. It's not going to actually make them feel any better. Does that make sense? Like this is a trial that was done in a week. That intervention for the vast majority of people is not going to help them, right? Exactly. It may say, wow, you know, I noticed that. And it's just going to lead to, oh, you know what? I, I got a little bit of relief. So maybe if I take three, it's better than one. And maybe if yeah. I take three, three times a day, then it was better than three, one time a day, right? And it can lead to other issues, right? So you do want to be careful. Yeah. And the new thing in that study for me, because I think we already knew that opiates weren't particularly good in low back pain, but yeah. um, naproxen plus uh, flexoral or cyclobenzaprine was, was no, no benefit, was yeah. no better than just the naproxen, naproxen by itself. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I haven't really changed my practice because of that. I, f I feel like it, flexoral is pretty benign yeah. um, and patients like having a second option or I like having a second option. Um, exactly. Even if it's more placebo for patients, but yeah, you know, and benign mm -hmm. depends on who you're looking at. Like the person, the older person with polypharmacy, does that make sense? Yeah, but, you oh, know, yeah, probably wouldn't be too. You know what I mean? And stuff using keen on using that. You know, and to kind of say, you know, you're honest. You, it's patient directed management. You know, they just did a study. For some people, this might work. For other people, you know, it probably is not going to work. But we can give it a try. Does that make sense? Exactly. And same like the muscle relaxants that you get physiologically tolerant to very fast anyway. So I tell people. If we're going to try it, we're going to try it for, you know, four or five days. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Dr. Bouchard, I think we're all. I think you nailed it, man. Holy moly. The sexy Dr. Bouchard. Beautiful work, Keep man. Keep up the sexiness, my friend, on the West Coast. I try. You try. And you succeed, damn it. <laughs> you handsome bastard. Leave that in. <laughs> Lovely. What do I say, Brady? Smart is the new sexy. And why are you so sexy? Yeah, it's uh, I. Yeah, it's too much to handle, man. It's too much sexy.